Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 16. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge, and welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on duty law enforcement officers, giving you both angles of discussion. Today, I'm going to be joined by Hanny again for this week. And the reason being is I have had about a long week and uh, Hanny just happened to be available tonight. So hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Today, we're going to talk about the two most influential instructors that we've had in our career as professional law enforcement instructors. One will be from the law enforcement realm and the other will be from the civilian training circles. First message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timers. Every serious shooter should have a shot timer to measure speed and accuracy on the range. The Range Tech Bluetooth Timer is the most affordable, high-tech, and most feature-rich timer on the market. $25 less than the competitors. The Range Tech Timer connects to your phone via Bluetooth and gives you the accuracy and power of a dedicated shot timer along with the advantages of online storage auto scoring and much much more learn more at rangetechtimer.com gotta tell you i've had my hands on one for about two months now and i like it it's a great tool if you're into self-assessment and training and uh, you don't have somebody running it for you it's great to be able to just plop your phone there on the bench have the timer on your belt and uh just Run it like you run your smartphone, plus the ability to take pictures of targets, store it. You know, you can kind of compete with yourself. So check them out. Also, as always, EDC Belt Company is the honorary sponsor this week. Want to thank each and every one of you that purchased a belt on Black Friday. The EDC Belt Company Foundation Belt is the most comfortable and functional concealed carry belt on the market with a low tro. <laughs> a low tro, a low profile tri-glide buckle. Uh, and it's made out of a combination of materials, one of which is proprietary, uh, to give the wearer comfort on the lower back, but still have enough belt tension to hold your favorite concealed carry firearm. Got a lot of cops wearing them now, so check them out. They're available for sale at concealedcarry.com. And a uh, little birdie told me there might be a website launching soon. All right, I'm going to bring in my guest, Hanny McMood, back for another week of the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Not to be confused with the Bongino brief, this is the Brian broadcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> I, I was listening to, to uh, Brother Dan up there in uh, New York this week, and I, I thought, Bongino brief, man, that is a great name for a podcast. Trish and I were talking and she said, maybe you should just call it the Brian broadcast. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we discussed yes, it earlier today. Would you like to bring in our topic for today? I know I said, Oh, I got it. I, I, I introduced it in the show notes earlier, but why not? I've been, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Cause it's something I'm, uh, mildly educated on. All right. So uh, I know you already did the intro. So uh, the topic that you and I discussed was instructors uh, that, you know, had an impact on us, probably made a difference to the way that we train and instruct. Uh, 
that are uh, both, uh, or not both, but either law enforcement or non-law enforcement. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And uh, to those listeners that uh, have been listening for a while, uh, I hope they realize that, uh, yeah, we did not discuss this topic uh, for a week uh, before uh, we recorded. Again, fresh and off the cuff and brought to you only by the Off Duty On Duty podcast. Indeed. So, All right. So would you like me to start with instructors I've done? And do you want me, if so, do you want me to start with uh, non-law enforcement or law enforcement? Oh, I thought you were going to. Your call, brother. I thought you were going to ask me first. I feel like I want to be on the on the hot seat for a all minute. All right. All right. You know what? We can do that. So you're up. Pick one and pick their arena. Okay. So I'm going to start with a guy that nobody other than the people in my immediate region have heard of. And he is now retired. He's been retired about five years and he has moved off to Kalispell, Montana up there in the wilds or Southern Canada. But his name is one Bruce Smith. And the people that download this podcast that know that guy, he kind of shaped a lot of law enforcement firearms instructors from my agency. And I have known him because he was bestowed the great fortune of having to share a police car with my father for five years. Could you imagine that? Right. Barely, but okay. (laughs) So, so Bruce and I go way back. I met him when I was exactly five years old, fast forward 21 years. Uh, I was in our law enforcement firearms instructor school and he was kind of the, I won't say the director, but he was the one that kind of steered the, the, bus you know what i mean like he he had the curriculum and and it was and he had this wonderful method of teaching for the instructor school in that he would walk in with a timer in one hand a sheet of paper and a notebook in the other and then a clipboard that had the uh, the the morning or afternoon's festivities written on it and he would set them on the desk and walk out and okay (laughs) it was like that yeah and We would put our heads together as instructors. That was the first thing that really struck a chord with me was if you're an instructor, people shouldn't be telling you what to do. You should be driving the bus, right? And that's exactly, I I agree. I agree. That's exactly how he started day one was here you go. And it would have a course of fire written on it and the state standards and the agency standards and all that. And the team of instructors that was there would have to set it up and execute. Right. So that from the very first day in instructor school was, was like awesome. I was like, Hey, nobody's like standing over my shoulder, but we still have to accomplish these tasks. So it really instilled that sense of like, You've got to take charge. And, you know, we would rotate through tower operations and all this. So that was left a really big impression on me, right? Because I thought, man, nobody's here to tell me what to do. I we've got to make this happen. So we would go out and we would record the scores. And then he would just kind of stand over there and watch how we were critiquing each other because you're talking about the department's high level shooters right there, right? And and it's Nobody's standing over you talking about how to teach every once in a while. He would just break down and give you a nugget. Like, 
Hey, do you think this is happening because of this? And you'd go, Oh yeah. Oh, there it is. Hey, fix that. And we all made each other way better shooters. Um, just in a group of about seven people and all of us passed all the, the mandated requirements and we all went on to be instructors. Uh, and then as I developed as an instructor, he would constantly challenge the way that I looked at everything. There was no right or wrong. He was always that person that said, well, defend it, like defend your position. If you feel that way about it, defend your position, which, you know, it could be anything from stance to grip to whatever and how you taught it. And he was really good at being able to show you that you knew the answer already. It was inside of you. He knew how to drag it out without giving it to you. Make sense? It does indeed. Um, and both the times that I went through firearms instructor school curriculum, one was local and it was, uh, an old head. And I mean that a well, uh, instructor. And the second time I did it was the FBI field school. And, uh, that generally is not the way that, um, people do it. So, um, I don't know Mr. Smith, but I already like him. Oh, you'd, you'd get along with him fine. I mean, like I said, he had to share a police car with my dad for five years. So <laughs> that could have been a so, long five years. I don't know. On a different, you know, evening. Uh, yeah, that's the general reason I like to talk to knowing your dad. Well, yeah, and I, I may reach out to Bruce and see if I can't get him on the podcast. Now this will, this will really, uh, for people that know him, he actually works for a private school now. Uh, the last uh, time I talked to him, and he teaches logical thought process to middle school kids. And you know, uh, to people not in the business, those sound like two things that are completely unrelated. But right. in reality, they aren't. Right, and he's just a masterful instructor, but he he also spent like thirty years on the department's tactical unit. And, and this dude was, he was bona fides. He had been there. He had done that. He had seen that and he knew the answer and he was really good at imparting that knowledge and passing that wisdom on and mentoring people, even though he was not intentionally mentoring people. So I I'd love to get him on for a show. I may have to bother him, but he's the guy that kind of did, uh, Oh, he kind of had a planned retirement. He was like, I'm, I'm moving to Montana. I'll see you guys later. And off he went, <laughs> you know, and he, he's As doing we all kind of planned to. Uh, right. So, so that, that's my law enforcement instructor. And I know there's some guys from the, the Oklahoma Metro here that are going to be like excited to hear that I have called upon the name of one BR Smith and, uh, called that name down because he, he, um, you know, when you talk spheres of influence, right? You know, who the people in your immediate circles are. A lot of times you don't see that second and third order effect. And he's one of those guys that the people that I've worked with, a lot of them have no idea who he is, but but have a lot of the knowledge that I gained from him. So, and he and I had disagreements about, you know, technique and uh, shooting technique and things like that. But 
but the method of presentation of information that he gave to me and imparted to me was just absolutely stellar and uh, invaluable in a in the, the time. If I, I may doing. ask, yeah, how long ago was that? Oh, I went through instructor school in two thousand five. So right. you're talking okay. 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That, that is a perfect example because that, that's like somebody that, um, even when you don't realize it, you realize that you're relying on something that you learned like 15 years ago. Yeah. And I, and I'll give and, you, and go ahead. Go, no. And, 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 and I, I find myself a lot of times saying something, and, uh, you know, people look at it and go, wow, that's, you know, that's, that, that's really well put. And then about 90 seconds later, I realized, yeah, I didn't come up with that. I, <laughs> I, I learned that 15, 20 years ago from this particular person. So perfect example. Yeah. And I, and I'll give you an example of teaching, working with a brand new recruit and I am pulling my hair out, trying to figure out what is wrong with this. Like mm -hmm. why can I not convey the message and have this person understand it? And he grabs me by the collar and he, and not like aggressive. He just, he grabs me by the collar and he says, take two steps back. And I said, okay. And you know, I'm wrapped up in what's going on at the gun. And I take two steps back and this dude's halfway leaning back, got his feet, you know, doing some kind of weird, like pigeon toed thing. And, you know, recoil is just, just breaking this guy's position to pieces. And he said, right. everything at the gun looks good, but if you don't take a step back and start at their feet, finish at their head, it's pointless. What's going on out here. You got to look at the whole picture, man. And I went, huh? So now. You know, one of the first things I do when I'm mentoring other instructors is I'm like, yeah, I know you want to get up there and watch their trigger finger and be right there and teach them all that fancy stuff. I said, but every now and then you've got to take like two healthy steps back and just watch, let things progress and see what goes yeah. on. Masterful nugget of wisdom. So well done. Um, uh, well done on, you know, on his part and, and, and on your, do you want to go to number two or sure. shall I? Your call. Yeah, let, let, I got it fresh on my mind. So let's go with Good, number go right two. ahead. Okay, number two, unquestionably, Ernest Langdon, by far. That that guy in the uh, civilian circles of shooting has probably shaped my perception about shooting more than any single other person. Now, when it comes to like the instructor side, yeah, Bruce was my guy, like how to, mm -hmm. but when it comes to the mechanics of running a gun and what's bunk and what's not bunk and what matters and what doesn't and, and how to convey that, that by far and away, Ernest Langdon. Uh, and that's not just because I'm a, everybody knows I'm a self-professed Italian Beretta nerd, but besides that, um, that, that, that literally changed a lot of the approach that I had to shooting. So, and a lot of instructor development was included in that. Uh, yeah. But there again, and that doesn't just go back to, Hey, I took his class in 2017 and it changed, it yeah. changed my life. Uh, I started shooting IDPA in like 2000 
and he was the guy, right? Like there, was- yes, he was. And to those who don't know, Ernest Langdon won the uh, IEPA, whatever they call their big championship. Um, Couple and of he times. did it. What's that? Couple of times, actually. Indeed, and and he did it uh, with a double action gun. In um, if I remember correctly, the category that IDPA calls CDP. Yep, which is primarily dominated by single stack 45 1911, and he did it with a double action gun, which I believe at the time what he was running a Sig 220. It was, and uh, I actually met him prior to that era when he was working mm-hmm. working for Beretta. He was working in like LE and customer service. And then yeah. all of a sudden he starts winning these major matches and they're like, Oh, 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 okay. Like anyway, but he was shooting with Todd Lewis green, Dave Harrington. And that was kind of an, an earnest. That was kind of they the Beretta elite team. And then at the time though, I just got squatted with the dude and I watched him shoot and I went, what is that? Like, I've never seen a dude, a run a gun like that and B run a Beretta like that. Like, what is that? Fast forward about a year after I got out of the army, he's like, Oh, okay. Custom defense pistol. Well, I'm just going to win that with a single stack SIG. And he right. did. And that year he outshot the Titans. Um, you know, he, he did, he did. And, and what it showed me was the fundamentals, all that stuff. It, hey, that's all great. The equipment is just kind of secondary. If you, you know, if you have those good, that good platform of fundamentals and how to execute them on demand, on command, and you know how to move and you know how to use all, you know, you know, the rules of the game and you master it. The gun is just a gun, right? And, uh, at that time, that division was 45 ACP. I think it had 160 power factor, uh, and it was basically lent towards you're going to shoot 185s at a thousand, or you're going to shoot, or maybe it was 170. I don't remember. It was a pretty hot power factor, but yeah. 230 grain ball out of the box would make it, and 185 sure. grains would make it. So it was not sure. playing around like you know who was it that said uh, you know a wad cutter and three grains grains of kitty litter behind you know it it wasn't powder puff show loads. It was legit, and that that division was dominated hands down by dudes shooting tuned 1911s and absolutely and he had a tuned sig put the stomp down with it right was pretty much the first time i had heard of ernest langdon and i just filed it away well that uh that era that i met him he was on top of the shooting world, right? IDPA yeah. was about four or five years old yeah. and, and he showed up and just started putting on school. Right. So, uh, but, and then later training with him and, and he would put out a YouTube video and I'd wa- I'd read a magazine article with him every once in a while, but, but one, he and I are about the same build. You know what I mean? Like we're mm-hmm. both about six, one, six, two, uh, he's, he's skinnier than I am now. So I, I, I don't like him for that, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I learned a lot 
just from watching him run a gun. Uh, it yeah. really had a profound influence on me. And then when I trained with him later and got to know him a little bit later, um, it really was kind of the, oh, it was the awakening of the double action. And yeah. to me, it really reminded me with, with IDPA, it was like a smaller version of what happened to USPSA when Rob Latham questioned everything. That era for me was really good. It was really formative. So you couple that with what I had learned on the department and it really shaped the way that I was a shooter. So, all right. So anyway, Ernest Langdon and Bruce Smith, those two guys that, that you put those in a jar and you shake them up and, uh, you know, you add in a little bit of, uh, a little bit of spice. That's kind of what that's, that's kind of what I am instructor wise. That's kind of where my, my mashup came from. Right. So let's talk, Hanny, what was your LE number one instructor? Okay. So we're talking, so what we did was uh, LE and non-LE. Yep. Correct. So Uh, your top LE influence instructor, your guy, who was that? So I'm going to take a, I don't know, let's, let's call it half a cop out. Okay. Which is this. The first real instructor that I actually paid money, went, and trained was Clint Smith. Hey, Thunder Ranch. Thunder Ranch, indeed. He's one of those guys that straddled two worlds, not three, because I'm sure that in the old days, Clint Smith shot Ipsic because that was a thing to do. He, probably even before it was called Ipsic. To those who don't know and only know about YouTube videos, Clint Smith was a Marine during the Vietnam era and in the thick of it. How about that? Right. And when he came back home, he became a law enforcement officer in Indiana and, and was one for many years until he branched out. And I think his first gig uh, was, under, uh, I'm sorry, was uh, Gunsight after that. He was one of the initial instructors for H&K and then went on to teach on the road before he you know, established Thunder Ranch. So, like I said, I may call it half a cop-out, but certainly he spent years as a full-time law enforcement officer. And uh, so I'm going to use him. Okay, And That's so fair. for me, that was the very first real training I ever took. And for me, I believe that was 19, probably the summer of 1995. And here I was about to become a graduate student. I I'd shot competitively. I, you know, I, I'd shot recreationally and so on. And I had moved to Texas and, uh, and I went to Thunder Ranch and he was the first real instructor that I really ever had. And, he affected a lot of, you know, what came for me afterwards, because regardless of the, do you shoot Weaver? Do you not shoot Weaver? Do you, how do you put your feet? Do you like 1911s or do you like Glocks? And a lot of this stuff that I think is very, very important uh, 20 to 25 years ago, I was very pleasantly surprised that 
when I got there, he was surprisingly non-doctrinaire about a bunch of things. He was all about learning to fight with a gun. And, and And I never forgot that because even in his teaching and so on, I have seen instructors, been on the range with instructors when I was a very young instructor in the early 2000s. Uh, who were like, ah, if you're not shooting a 1911, that that piece of plastic that you're shooting is just a waste of time. And things like that. Well, on his range, Clint, to his credit, never said anything like that. His focus was, here is a problem, and here's how you have to solve it. Yeah. And caliber didn't matter to him. Yes. He did carry 45. Platform didn't matter to him. Yes, he did carry 1911. And, and he never made a single remark sideways about anything. It was simply, this is a problem. Solve it. And so that had a huge effect on me. So even though by the time I had met him, he was probably at least, at least 15 years removed from full-time law enforcement. So that's why I put him in that category. No, the whole issue was uh, there's a fight and uh, you need to succeed. And that had a huge effect on me to this day. And uh, there are instructors uh, that are younger than me uh, that, you know, um, are successful and so on. And I often hear things like, oh, yeah, you know, that old BS, Gunsight, Thunder Ranch, whatever. And my response is always, yeah, I don't shoot like that anymore. But but, did you ever train with those guys? And the answer is always no. Yeah. Which I respond, then uh, perhaps you should not speak of what you don't know. And I leave it at that and I, I walk away. So, you, so, so you're going to say that on, in the law enforcement realm, Clint mm-hmm. Smith was your number one. Absolutely. Uh, and and, and there the really isn't a really close non-law enforcement realm, but that was my first. So, so tell me about you and I. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Now, having said that, you know me, I like to cheat. So if I'm going to cheat, the next person who needs no introduction is Rob Latham. Yeah. For and a I trained pure... with Rob Latham. Yeah, for a pure non-LE. Absolutely. Yeah. So to him, uh, it is pure non-LE. And it was strictly, training with him was strictly, how do you how do you run the gun better, faster, harder, quicker, better, whatever? And I've been lucky enough to train with him twice. And I, I don't really put him second to Clint Smith. It's just that, you know, Clint two different was, realms. Just like you used, yeah, two different realms, and you chose Ernest. And as you know, we don't really discuss much of this beforehand. You chose Ernest, and Ernest was is a great example. Which, unfortunately, I don't get to use because I, I really love training with <laughs> Ernest. You stole it, bro. Sorry, but Ernest straddles like three different realms, and he is a unicorn as a result. But for me, the first one was Clint Smith. But in terms of a pure non-law enforcement instructor, it is Rob Latham. Because to the people that don't know, he's trained a lot of people. 
in a lot of different arenas, you know, including at the very tip, uh, to use a, you know, overused expression, at the very tip of the spear. Right. Because running a gun is running a gun. Exactly. And tactics are tactics. And those units, they don't borrow tactics from anybody. They develop their own. But they will bring in somebody who teaches them how to run a gun. And they work out their own tactics. And, and Rob has done that for many units. He is, you know, and I'm not saying anything secret. It's like, yeah, he, he's singularly the best pure shooter I've ever seen. And um, I've been lucky enough to train with him twice. Sorry, I get to cheat, and I'm 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 taking two in that category. Well, there you go. Well, we actually—it's funny that I don't believe you cheated because I watched you uh, cheat at TACCON when you loaded uh, plus P plus ammo in your nine millimeter and still destroyed a number of man-on-man shooters. So now, if that's now, your now. if, Let, if that's to here. quantify your yeah. idea of cheating. I would say that, you know, yes, your, your projectiles were getting to the targets much faster, uh, like two to 300 feet per second faster than anyone else's were. So I guess you could call that an advantage, right? And you know me, I, I am uh, relentless about accuracy. I was not running plus B plus I was running plus P I was running one twenty four plus B gold dot, which was my issued duty load. Oh, okay. So, so and, the rest and, and of I, it, I, I was like, yeah, that's what I run. I know the recoil pattern. And to some people whose um, cases were ejecting out of their gun at their feet, well, if that works for them, great. I, I didn't see it like I was taking on a handicap. I looked at it as that's what I'm used to. Well, I will, I can attest that, uh, one of your pieces of brass hit me and I was only like two range bays over. So (laughs) thank you, brother. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you know, it's funny that like my first guy was, he was pure LE and my second guy straddled the fence and your first guy straddled the fence and your second guy was pure competition realm. Right. So we both kind of, uh, you know, we both kind of adjusted a little bit there. Let's, let's boil it down because we're coming up on 40 minutes here. Uh, let's okay. boil this down. What do you think the biggest for cops? What do you think the biggest hurdle for going outside of the law enforcement realm is? Is it, is it ego? Is it, oh. let, let's, let's, you know, because a lot of instructors I know in the law enforcement community, a lot of shooters, I know they don't want to go to a pure civilian or competition background person. So what do you think causes that hurdle? Love to seem uh, brilliant and give insight that you didn't cover, but you said it with your very first word, which was ego. So let me give you a quick example. Don't Uh, don't name any names. I don't know. I won't. Uh, But uh, you know what? I may have shared this story before, but, um, we trained a young uh, officer, uh, young as in, you know, probably five, six years on. And his agency sent him to us for firearms instructor school. And we taught him what we teach him. And when he went back and wanted to share what he'd learned, 
one of the senior instructors said to him, um, look, no, the, the stuff that you're bringing up is, is for, you know, professional shooters, not for cops. Yeah. And he shared that story with me. And, you know, two or three of us that had, you know, trained them, like literally stopped for a second and shook our heads like, who, who is more a professional shooter, really, than law enforcement? Who should be? No, we don't do it for a living in terms of shooting and competing and so on. But in terms of uh, the importance factor and what, how important it is on saving your life and saving the, the lives of the officers that you train, I don't know a better version uh, or definition of a professional shooter. And, and he poo-pooed, uh, uh, you know, the, some of the techniques that he brought back uh, to the, you know, the person that we had trained. Because to him, yeah, those were professional shooting techniques, not law enforcement. Well, what's, uh, there's an interesting kind of dichotomy there in that, uh, in my experience, what I've seen is civilians... And, and I'm I'm going to generalize, and I hate being general, but whatever. Uh, for this, I think it applies. Uh, civilian shooters do not seem to have near the apprehension about training with or taking a class from a law enforcement officer as much as when you flip the table, a law enforcement officer will have some degree of apprehension about training with a purely civilian shooter. And I, I've really tried to fight that, uh, that stigma for, for a lot of my career. Cause I'm like, look, yeah, it, it, this guy may be training to shoot games, but would you rather have him shooting at you or on your team? That's kind of what I want to, I go, okay. If I put a barricade up, and I put Rob Latham on the other side of cover. Would you want to be downrange of that? And all of them, you know, unanimously go, Oh heck no. And I'm like, so right. why do we have this apprehension about learning from someone like that? Uh, whereas you flip the script and you say, okay, here is professional law enforcement officer here. There is civilians will typically embrace that. So sure. you're, you're absolutely right. So we might I call think this the reason uh, for that. Go, go ahead, Brian. We might call this uh, this uh, this podcast tearing down the walls. Like you know, there's how do we kind of bridge that? It feels like there's a wall separating us, and people come from one side to the other. But it's much more rare to see people go from the LE side to the competition side. It, it, it it's much more rare to see that than it is to see people that are purely civilian defensive shooters or competition shooters going to take a law enforcement class. That's pretty common. I mean, that's one of the things, you know, when I teach a class, a lot of people come up and they're like, so what's your background? That's always, you know, like the first question, yeah. I go, oh, well, you right. know, I've been a professional firearms instructor for 15 plus years now. Um, and I have a great deal of experience outside of the realm of untested theory, meaning I've actually had to put a lot of this stuff to use. So, right. There's, you know, there's some degree of, uh, bona fides there. That seems to be my popular word of the night, but, uh, or, or credibility. Let's just say there, there seems to be a, 
a lot bigger degree of credibility when you say, sure, you know, I, I've, I've trained hundreds of recruits and, and, you know, my fellow officers and, and, and then I've had to go and put into practice a lot of these techniques and tactics. So there seems to be a, uh, it lends to credibility. Whereas if you're a law enforcement officer and you're looking at civilian training, you're like, well, what's that guy done? It's like, well, right. hey, you've got to you've got to quantify this with, am I looking for mechanics or am I looking for tactics? Because we do right. tactics every day, right? But if we can improve on the mechanics side, what's the what's the harm in that, right? There and there shouldn't be any. Yeah, I mean, I got kind of, I won't say I was lambasted, but there were people early in my career that were like, oh, you shoot a rifle like a three gunner, and I'm like, well. The three gun guys that I shoot with, they shoot rifles really, really good. <laughs> you right. know, they they run these things, you know, like sports cars. So why can't right. I borrow a little bit from that? You know what? You know who's who's to say that that's wrong? And you know maybe I shoot from behind cover more, whatever. But uh, and there was there was kind of a stigma there for a long time, and I think we're starting to see that shift. But, uh, but there's still a long way to go there. I, that's, that's the goal of the off duty on duty podcast is to put us all in this big, happy community of people that just, you know, love firearms and the ability to defend themselves. Right. You know, in the few times I've trained with Rob Latham, Rob Latham had nothing to say about how to successfully do what, you know, um, we would call like tubular assault, you know, buses, airplanes, whatever. He didn't. That was not his area. But people who do that for a living used to hire him to come and show them how to best make that shot. And people think those things are mutually exclusive. They're not. He's not teaching tactics on how to assault a bus. He's just teaching you, hey, when you do this, this is how you make the shot. The tactics are whatever that person is responsible for. And what I found out was a lot of people, uh, due to their ego, will just simply, you know, swipe off and go, yeah, that, that's not what we do for a living. Well, the rest of it is. But when it comes to time to actually line up sights and press trigger, that is what you do. And he does that better than just about anybody. Yeah. So I, I, I've seen that two or three times in my career where people would say, yeah, well, no, that that's just for this. No, when, when the moment of truth is lining up sides and pressing trigger, yeah, the, there, there are good ways to do it. And uh, that's who you get to teach you that. That, 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 that is the closest I'll ever come to preaching. And I'll stop now. Well, Hanny, any final thoughts for uh, tonight's episode? I think we're going to call it tearing down the wall. Tearing down the wall. Um, Okay. Uh, A simple thought, which is this. There are very good instructors uh, that exist probably close to a lot of our listeners um, that have uh, good credentials, credentials, just like the gentleman that you brought up at the very beginning of this conversation, you know, I'd never heard of them. And they're good instructors. And, you know, they're not 
uh, I don't want to say that they're old. I'm just going to say that they're not of the YouTube generation. So there are very good instructors that exist in many places that um, learned well, teach well, were great mentors, and sent off a lot of good people to go off and do good work. Uh, they don't have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, they are there to be found if you look. There you go. But, yeah, it's, there are guys that uh, were open-minded, really good, um, learned a lot of things from a lot of different people, and sent off another generation of either instructors or officers. And, um, yeah, that that's what they did. And they're of a generation before, uh, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry had, had – um, a, a web page and a, 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 a YouTube channel and so on. And, and I've learned that I've learned from a lot of good guys that aren't household names. Um, and I use Rob Latham. He's a household name, at least in the shooter world. Um, you know, you use Ernest Langdon, um, and Clint Smith and so on. Um, and those, those are to be found if you look and you are wise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a great final thought. Law enforcement, civilian, they're in the instructor world. You can take something from anybody, uh, you right. know, anybody, anybody of of good repute. And uh, I don't think there should be the apprehension that there is to. Well, there's certainly not the apprehension there was 15 years ago when I started, uh, right? Really getting involved in the in- instructor side, so. That I think I will give it a plus for the community in that. Tearing down the walls. Why why cops should train with civilians and vice versa? Just a reminder, this episode was brought to you by Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timers. Check them out at concealedcarry.com and rangetechtimer.com. Excuse me, get a little sidetracked there. Also, our honorary sponsor, EDC Belt Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Episode 16, Tearing Down the Walls. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.